right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up. We got one of my boys on today's podcast, Mr. Clint Cannon from ATS Diesel. I love that this guy is out just getting it, bro. This guy is so he cut his teeth in all things diesel. I, I've known this guy for I feel like decades now. Um, ATS, you can't open a, a truck magazine without seeing some of their stuff in there. Uh, but this guy, man, has really not only has he broke ground on some of the best converters, turbos transmissions he makes everything bulletproof man he's one of those guys where if it's clint tested and approved you know you're getting a good product so i'm fired up to have clint back on uh the podcast with us man you guys check it out ats diesel uh these guys are fantastic and you know clint well man yeah no doubt man awesome guy and, and amazing what they're doing there and you know when we think about what the oes are delivering the last so many years pretty incredible you know we, we we joke we talk about it all the time you know you go back to super duty ford five two five foot pounds you know it's like oh my god and now we're yeah, cranking baby. out from the factory a thousand is like eh, thousand foot pounds right from the factory like you can tow an apartment building uh <laughs> you know and and so what the oes have been delivering is incredible but there's years in there where there's there's gaps there's there's eh, just you know Things that just weren't done right. And even with all that they're delivering today, guys are still breaking stuff. They're still figuring out how to yeah. go and goof it up. You know, so like you said, durability-wise, performance-wise, uh, Clint and the ATS Diesel guys have you covered. It's pretty amazing. Uh, and I, I can't wait to kind of dive in with them as what is the next, you know, series of awesomeness that these guys are going to deliver. Yeah, man. Let's let's talk to him now. Clint, welcome to the podcast, man. Sure appreciate your time. Uh, how is the world? How's life at ATS Diesel, man? What are you guys cranking on now? And are you still saving everybody's converters, transmissions, turbos? Uh, are you still helping everybody out in those, in those wor worlds and arenas? No, life's been great. You know, I mean, one of the things that I love about the diesel industry is technology. And, you know, that's one of the biggest things that we've been really focused on is bringing technology to especially a lot of these older diesels. You know, some, one of the, one of the really fun projects that I took on a couple of years ago was starting to work on building a V and T turbo. 
you know, and VNTs or, you know, everybody's familiar with G BGT turbos, right? Well, the VNT turbo is the, is the newest technology in turbos where there's actually turbine veins that are redirecting air into the turbine wheel instead of, for instance, like the Cummins kind of uses like a, a VGT kind of a squish plate design, which builds a lot of back pressure, works good to drive the EGR loop. But, you know, let's face it, I mean, it's 20-year-old technology, you know, and working on our new VNT stuff, you know, and that's going to, that's across all platforms, Ford, Dodge, and GM. You know, Ford has been kind of one of the leaders to start using some of the newer VNT technologies. But, you know, this turbo basically is allowing just extreme efficiency across the turbine section, which basically makes it like, you know, like kind of like, what's that mean, like in layman's terms, like efficiency across the turbine section? I mean, taking all that exhaust gas energy and, and effectively driving it into the turbine wheel to drive the compressors, to drive that compressor actually slower so you get more density of air into the engine. And what's that meaning? Well, the turbo is getting smaller and power levels are going up. So torque goes out, the, up, you know, explodes, you have higher power levels and with that efficiency, better miles per gallon. So, you know, we've been, you know, not to mention, you know, getting off the of turbos, but working on, you know, the, all the, the, the newer transmission, given more speeds and heavier duty transmission transplants for these vehicles. But along the lines of just taking new technology and transplanting and giving the ability for somebody like yourself that has a 7.3 to actually put a variable, a VNT turbocharger on your truck. That's the kind of stuff we're rolling out right now. And I tell you what, dude, I mean, like your 7.3, you think about it, it's sluggish, you know, you put in gear, you give it gas, like, yeah. wah, it makes a lot of noise and it starts to finally rip up a little bit and make some, make some boost and it takes off. Yeah. I mean, driving like that old technology you know, 7.3, which, which is, the 7.3 is terrible, right? Because it's, it's an old Huey system, very low pressure injection, didn't burn very well in the cylinders. You know, it had a really sluggish turbo on it, just a fixed geometry turbo. You add not only a variable turbo, but a, but a brand new, like a 20 style VNT turbo to those older engines. And they are just lightning fast. I mean, it's incredible how well they run. You know, you're basically converting all that, all that smoke, you know, into power. And what's it do? I mean, it lowers your EGTs, which, which raises the reliability engine. It gives you that seat of the pants feel. It gives you more miles per gallon. So, th so that, I mean, that's one of, the, one of the really exciting things we're working on right now is, is retrofitting, you know, all these engines. We've got a 5.9 kit that we're just releasing now that has literally taken old 5.9. It could be a 12-valve or a 24-valve or even an early common rail. When I say early, we're talking like, you know, 03 to 07. They still had a fixed geometry turbo on, you know, just a basic old school turbo like the 7.3, right? So this VNT is a manifold and a and a 2020 style turbo VNT Aurora VNT on it that's driven by an our IntelliBoost, which is an electronics controller that that drives the turbo, puts that turbo in its optimal position from acceleration off the line to you know full throttle down the road or, or just cruising. So it's a really cool stuff coming around the corner. I mean, really, really exciting stuff. Okay, you you, you got to we got to pick your brain. We got to take a break, but we got to pick your brain when we come back. I, you say really cool stuff. I was I want to hear numbers. So when you say uh, you know compared to the the old system, I have one of your old Aurora turbos on my truck uh, as well as your transmission. So I'm anxious to talk some numbers with you. Uh, get back to seeing more of what ATS is doing. Quick break on the Two Guys Garage podcast. Clint Cannon, ATS Diesel, Kevin Bird, Willie B, and we're back after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have Clint Cannon from ATS Diesel. I love these guys, man. It's uh, it's really cool to have him on the podcast. He's been a long buddy, long-term buddy of mine for forever to see these guys and what they're doing they're always kind of pushing kind of the limits and for us old you know he mentioned old seven three guys you know i've got a it's like kevin was talking about i got a 2001 f-250 is the first vehicle i bought brand new that thing was king of the hill at 525 foot pounds of torque and nowadays you laugh at that <laughs> um but but clint you guys are you guys are bringing these things back with some some real vigor in life um what are some numbers you're seeing compared to what that thing originally was with your new, you know, your new turbo and some of the new things you're throwing at it. You know, the, the big thing is, you know, with the world we're living in today, I mean, we're really listening work living in the submissions world. Right. And, and, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, it was about how much power can I make? How many, what's the, what's the number that I can get? What we've been really working on is on stock fueling. Let's, let's efficientize the motor and get as much power as we can. So I mean, we're talking somewhere, you know, in, in like that 525 range, you know, we're up in that by like 20, 25% just by airflow. And when you're talking air, we're not talking boost numbers, right? I mean, you're, you're talking, you're making the same types of horsepower levels at the same boost level. But what changes is efficientizing the exhaust side of things and dropping that back pressure means you get one thing, you get less resistance, you get more airflow into the engine. So all of a sudden that like 525 foot pound torque number turns into something more like 600 foot pounds of torque. But what's what what's really exciting about it is if you look at the torque curve on it, instead of just being really lazy and it kind of, you know, staggeredly goes off and rises, it literally accelerates with your foot pedal. I mean, you give it throttle and that torque line goes straight up and then across. And that's where you do all your drivability. You know, what's, what's, always, what's always killed me about diesel performance is when you go to a bigger turbocharger, you lose that drivability. You make more. You make more horsepower and torque at the right side of the scale, right? Well, that's not generally. You're doing all that. You're doing that work like when you're racing it, or when you're, you know, full right, throttle right. up a hill. Well, we want to utilize, give all that power. We want to shift that down, and like I said earlier, take that smoke and turn it into power. You know, and and basically what that means is you get that torque early on in the acceleration period. So you got to step, you know, pull off a stop sign. And you accelerate instead of all that laggy and you're waiting and all of a sudden you get the power you literally put it in and it's like a gas motor and and willie these things literally drive like a gas motor i mean the favorite thing that i like to do i've got you know i i i i'm a truck connoisseur i i buy trucks and i just can't get rid of my own i must own 15 trucks that's probably being conservative (laughs) but literally one of my favorite trucks is the 5.9 that i bought new it's a 2007 five nine i bought it as a shop truck and we ended up you know doing a bunch of stuff to it uh, i think i think i lent it to you once actually yeah so yeah. just an old just an old five nine long bed red truck well you know that thing's got like i don't know two hundred thousand, two hundred twenty five thousand miles on it now and it's kind of beat up because everybody's driven it it drove parts all over denver you know so we kind of revitalized it and i started you know it's always been stock for the most part 
So I started revitalizing, like, this is a perfect, perfect truck for us to put our new turbocharger on. You know, so we rolled it in, they ripped the turbocharger off. It's a turbocharger manifold uh, assembly, right? So they put in the new manifold, new turbo. It's run by the IntelliBoost, which is analog. I mean, all we do is we look at the sensors. When I say analog, because these old trucks are mostly analog, even your old 7.3, you know, it's an electronic motor, but it's still generally the can was really slow if it had it or it was proprietary. So you, you can't really torque tap into it and get your torque table. So what we've done is we built an electronic system that literally physically looks at the raw signal from your throttle position sensor and your boost sensor. And then we add the back pressure sensor and we build all our tables and it does it automatically. So it literally controls the variable turbo like it's literally a 22 vehicle. So my favorite thing to do is take the run ups front, get the keys, toss them to somebody like, dude, go drive this truck, see what you think. They come back like, Jesus Christ, dude, that thing rips. What do you do? Put a six, seven in? I'm like, seriously, it's a stock truck, stock calibration, stock fuel injection system, stock injectors. It has our new BNT on it. That's how much different like the technology has increased that we can put on these older vehicles. Man, it's exciting. I mean, you take you take that kind of stuff and start updating older vehicles. That's my answer to the new uh, government that we're in, all this clean energy. Yeah, like the to me, garbage. Yeah, dude, to me, let's take these vehicles instead of having them hit the junkyard, the wrecking yards, let's modernize them and make them new. You know, give them more miles per gallon, make them funner to drive, make them you know, more economically friendly, you know, all of a sudden that's our, that's, that's saving the world right there. And we're going to do it one diesel truck at a time. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent. I mean, and think about these, these trucks are built for 200, 300, 400, 500,000 miles, right? So they're meant to be out there almost forever, right? Yeah. As long as you can keep the bodies from rusting out, uh, right? There are these platforms that are just prime for, like you said, adding the technology to them to make them feel like they're, Right, coming off the showroom from a performance and efficiency standpoint, right? But you've got yeah. way less cost of entry, which is great for a lot of folks. Yeah, they just they haven't they just haven't changed that much. I mean, if you look at the internal combustion engine, you know, I mean the internal combustion engine in itself, the technology hasn't changed substantially, you know, in literally the last hundred years, right? I mean, we've you know certainly got way better valve design and air, better airflow and you know, better cam design and better injection that kind of thing. But if you look at like the last 30 years or last 20 years of diesel engines, I mean, it hasn't changed much, right? It's gone from low pressure injection to higher to, you know, high pressure. And like Willie, like your, your 7.3, you know, it was pretty low pressure injection. I mean, we're talking like, you know, like three to 4,000 PSI, right? And that's the, yeah. that's the amount of PSI that's, that squeezes the fuel into the cylinder. You know, new common rails, you know, we're upwards of like 35,000 PSI. And basically the difference is it's gone from this noisy, clanky, kind of smoky diesel to a diesel that actually is cleaner and quieter than a gas boat. You know, I mean, the, the, I mean, I pull into the, to my driveway, you know, and my girlfriend's like, I don't even know when you're home anymore. You know, if I drive the TRX, she can hear me, you know, I've got, which that's yeah, another, yeah. another story, but it's like, bah, 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 bah. you know, I, lo- I, I mean, I love that. I actually love that Hellcat engine, but I drive my Ram in and it's like so quiet, dude, you can't even tell it's running, you know, and that thing is making a thousand foot pounds of torque, you know, 550 horsepower, you know, and, and, and it's because of the technologies, right? 
So, you know, you go from your old diesel that has that low pressure injection to the new diesels, you know, that have this high pressure injection, they're clean, but the engine hasn't changed, you know, but so you start adding, you know, all this technology onto it, you know, you know, a transmission with more gears, a turbocharger that's vastly more efficient, that's actually variable, that can change airflow, you know, all those things, it just gets better and better, you know, not to mention that. You know, all those lovers, you know, in Washington, you know, as we do this stuff, the vehicles get way yeah. cleaner, you know? So, so it's really, I mean, we're excited about it. I mean, I think the diesel industry is, is, is better than it's ever been, you know, as long as you understand right, right. the technology, you've got, you've got to be a technology company to really put these things together. And you got to keep getting that word out there and, and keep letting people know about it. There's so many of these old trucks. They've been the number one selling vehicle for you know hell for the last you know number of years um you look at the f-250s there's so many especially you know you and i live in the same state colorado we drive there must be an f-250 on every stoplight in every corner uh uh in every business uh in in the state there's there's a billion of them um it, it just seems logical uh and thankful that somebody's out there doing that because it, it doesn't seem like a lot of people have that mentality and that logic but it's brilliant because there's so many of them out there well i think it's two factors right and you're hitting both of them it's it's doing it within the emissions right because that that's key and then you're you're adding that performance and efficiency combination uh so again it's just taking a lot of these older vehicles that have so much life left in them yeah. And, and bringing them up to what, what kind of the modern expectations are. Well, you know, they, they don't go away. I mean, like you said, I mean, these vehicles, it's not like in the 70s or 80s, you know, where vehicles were, they were kind of built like, you know, I mean, they would fall apart, you know, they, they weren't great to drive. You know, they, they just didn't, they, technology wasn't to the point where they were really building a great vehicle. I mean, they're cool collector's items now, but vehicles really started getting good, you know, in the 2000s. You know, I mean, like, like it was a whole deal, like around, around 97, 98, you know, Cummins came out with a really good vehicle, you know, Ford was working on something pretty decent, you know, then like 2000 rolls around. And then all of a sudden Ford got their seven, three super dialed in. And that's like such a beloved truck. And if you drive that truck today, or you drive a, a 12 or 24 Bob Cummins or the Duramax of 01, like, why would you get rid of a vehicle like that? They're not much different than what you drive off. The, well, let me say they're very different because they were $30,000 vehicles. They're not $100,000 vehicles. If you put them side by side, you know, they're not that different. I mean, they basically have, you know, the same engine, same components. You know, Duramax, when it came out in 01, that engine has gone through many, many redesigns, but nothing substantial. It still uses the same block, the same pistons, the same head, the same rods, right? All that stuff's interchangeable. Same style injection system, you know, very similar turbo. I mean, they haven't changed a lot. You know, you start, you start modernizing the stuff on the outside of the motor. Then all of a sudden that thing becomes, it, it leaps ahead in, you know, 10 years in technology, you know, and we've seen it with all of them, you know, Ford Dodge and GM. So, so it's, uh, you know, it's not like the differentials break on them or fall out of them. It's not like the bed falls off, you know, they're generally, they're just damn good vehicles. So you know, I think it's really worthwhile, you know, spending the time to really modernize these things. Yeah. And you really made a good point on, on the torque curve. Um, and anybody can kind of get, you know, wowed and, and, and sucked into this, you know, say a big power number, big torque number, but it's the drivability. And if you're really using your truck, 
right? If you've got a big hall behind you and you're trying to pull out in traffic, you're trying to get out in front of cars, you're trying to make that pass, get into that lane. Uh, you want that drivability. You want that, that torque, you know, kind of down low responsive. You, you want to have the confidence to, to pull that load out in front of, you know, potentially dangerous situation. And they just, that lag all the time. And it's just no fun. Yeah. You don't get any real pleasure out of driving, uh, something with a bigger number, but the wrong shape of the torquer. Right. Right. And I, and I tell you, I mean, that's kind of where the diesel industry, in my opinion, you know, especially the diesel aftermarket really got off track, you know, you know, years ago, there was, uh, the, you know, we all lived through that whole explosion of big horsepower street diesels and they're blowing smoke everywhere. And, you know, it's like everything that was that was being built for them was to give it more power, but forgetting about the forgetting about that responsiveness, that drivability. You know, and today when you can when you can perfectly match the torque converter stall speed and increase the torque multiplication, and we're not talking smoke and mirrors, that's literally a simple redesign of the converter and maximizing that efficiency. You know, it makes that acceleration so much better. And then you couple that with a turbocharger that boosts quickly and early, then all of a sudden that torque, instead of that torque starting to go, you know, horizontal, it starts to go linear out there, you know, where you don't want it, you want it to go straight up. I mean, you want that torque curve to go straight up as possible, as quickly as possible. And when you start matching those things, you know, what a, it's incredible. You have to drive one of these trucks, Kevin. I mean, it is awesome, you know? Yeah, I'm a full believer. I, I'm in an F-150 and, and I've gone back and forth between you know, the V8, the five liter, and I'm, I'm a full V8 fan, right? There's, there's no doubt about it, but, uh, just the torque curve on that three, five EcoBoost, right? Just because of the way they shape it, yeah. it, it hauls the mail, right? And it's the shape of that torque curve, regardless of cylinders or whatever, you give me the right torque curve, especially when I'm towing, you know, I've got a big toy hauler. So on my F-150, you know, yeah. it's, it's maxing yeah. out. And, and that, that shape of that torque curve is what, pulls me back from being the V8 guy into that, that EcoBoost. And, mm -hmm. and it's no different on a diesel, right? If you can give the right shape of the torque curve, it's what you're using. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're all the same. I mean, internal combustion is internal combustion. You know, I mean, you have, you certainly have, you know, the diesel lovers hate the gasser guys and the gas guys kind of hate the diesel. And so to say, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's the technology is the same internal combustion engines are, and they're, and they're more the same now than they ever have been. You know, Clear. now you got it wrong. The diesel and the gas guys are partnered up. We all hate the electric guys. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> next until right, next so, year when we're talking about adding adding uh, some electric crap to these things, right? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. All right, can uh, can we dive into a quick break? Can you hang on? We'll be right back. It is the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I will be Clint Cannon, ATS Diesel. Check him out. We're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I will be. We have Clint Cannon, ATS Diesel. Man, these guys, it's so cool to watch what these guys are developing. Um, Clint, you know, we've talked a lot about the diesel and what you're doing with upgrading these turbos and the variable VNT turbos. Uh, I can't wait to see and actually feel that behind the wheel. Get excited about that. Um, let's talk about some of these conversions you're doing in Jeeps. You know, Jeeps for a long time have always been the target of a lot of upgrades. Um, I know, especially around here, a lot of my friends, you know, a lot of people heading out to Moab, they love putting the, you know, the 392 or the 5.7 or whatever, Hemi swap in their Jeeps. Um, but that comes with some problems and you guys have kind of been on the attack for those problems. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting road. You know, we've, you know, we have a lot of the same friends and, 
it, living here in Colorado, you know, we're avid Jeeper guys and, of course, horsepower junkies. And, you know, so many of my buddies and so many of the shops that that um, have been doing these, you know, 392 swaps, you know, have been just, they've been killing having a great time. And, you know, one of the, one of the, 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 the big, uh, you know, problem in the sky, you know, is the emissions, right? You know, the, yeah. the feds have been just, Killer. they're coming down on everything, you know, that, that has, that has a tail, tailpipe emissions, right? You know? And, yeah. And, and, and you should tell people here, and Clint and I live in the same state in Colorado. We have, we've adapted California emission rules, carb rules. So we're under really strict guidelines uh, as are, you know, a, a lot of bigger cities um, and places. We're under some really ugly guidelines uh, to tighten up those Zev and Lev rules and, and emissions. And that always normally chokes out performance, power, and efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've, you know, fortunately, I've been dealing with this for for you know about fifteen years now because we've you know we've been selling in California and we've been we have to you know we go through all this process of getting EO numbers you know on our turbochargers and and you know pretty much any products even our transmissions that we sell now you know which is a new law they just passed which you know unfortunately you know in Colorado you know New Year there's a handful of states that are that are adopting the standard and. What that means, I mean, that doesn't mean that like the performance days are over. That just means that the performance days are changing. You know, we have to adapt to it. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a bad thing, but it is certainly something you have to be aware of. And 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 I kind of feel because of my experience, you know, how much I've spent my life dedicating to the performance market and and having options on, you know, stuff you can bolt on legally and we can still have our hot rods and drive around. I mean, I wanted to take some of that knowledge and, and start adapting to the gas side of things. And the first thing that I saw was, you know, our Jeeps, you know, my buddy's Jeeps and all my friends' garages that they're doing these conversions. Like Chrysler builds a, you know, 707 horsepower engine that is certified to sell in California. So because they did that, it kind of opened the gates for us. It kind of connected the dots. It made it a little bit easier for us. And they just released their three, their um, six four um, V eight, you know, in the Wranglers, which is also certified to sell in California. So, anytime you kind of have a marriage like that, where the where the OEMs actually build something, it makes it easier us easier for us in the aftermarket to kind of piggyback off of that and and make that together. So, what we've done is we've taken those calibrations. And we've adapted it so it actually will work in the Wranglers and say, well, Chrysler did it. It should be easy for us in the aftermarket to do. Well, the problem is, is vehicles today, they, they are basically like a big CAN network, right? So you have your engine that is, that is run by your ECM. Okay, and that ECM is like an arm. And then you have your body control module, and that's like the other arm. And then you have your brake control module, and you have the BCM, and you have all these computers, right? It's a big network. And they're all talking. And as soon as you remove one, and I say remove one, let's take we say we take the 3.6 engine, the V6, and we take it out of the vehicle, and then we put in a 392 computer. Well, now they're not native. They're not talking together anymore. So there's things that are missing. And that communication that's happening between the modules basically makes that non-emissionable. So it won't clear all the monitors. It won't pass all the tests that somebody like California or now Colorado New York handful of states plug in and say, oh, this is not a factory setup or calibration, so you can't pass emissions. That means you're not going to get your plates down. 
So all of a sudden, my buddies start coming into here this year because it was adopted January of this year uh, or last year now. Um, they started coming like, dude, like I've been driving this thing around. I mean, I had it V8 swapped, you know, like five years ago. And now I can't get through emissions. Like what gives? Like, well, the standards have changed. You know, like, well, that's not right. Like, no, it's it's always been illegal, but it's never been forced on. So now, and this is what happens. This is what our government does, right? They say, okay, this is the standard, but whatever you do, we're not going to enforce on it. Then they get their ducks in a row and they finally get to the point like, okay, we're going to start enforcing on it. And they start enforcing and they flip the light switch. And all of a sudden, what we've been doing for all these years is now illegal. And theoretically, everything that we did, if it was illegal, it's enforceable. So now, you know, my concern is we're going to have enforceable actions on a lot of these shops around the country that are, or especially in this state, that are my buddies. And because they did this swap, you know, they put this V8 in and it all was kind of turnkey and it worked. And now the customer is driving around and it's illegal. You know, they're like, well, what the hell, man? Like, I've got this beautiful Jeep that I've got $150,000 in, but now it's illegal and I can't get my plates. They're like, well, what gives? That shop did it. You shouldn't have done that. You have liability. So where I'm trying to step yeah. in, ATS, is say, hey, guys, you know, everything's cool. You know, we have an option. Here's your translator box. You know, we're going to change the calibration to a factory 392 calibration. Make sure the engine's happy. We're going to have our translator box that goes between the engine and the vehicle and the vehicle and the engine. And we translate all this information. So now the vehicle's happy and the engine's happy. They both run in their factory states. And then that we can get a car. Hey, I don't know about Willie, but I'm happy too. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> and a lot of happy customers I've been. Well, as man, well. it's a big deal. I mean, and unfortunately, like the world, our world kind of doesn't know about it. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, we're getting to know about it really quickly, right? But, yeah, you know, we're, yeah. we're, I mean, we're just hot rodders, you know, we're like doing where we got a cool CUDA and we're, you know, we're changing the engine in it or a Jeep or whatever it is. And then, you know, a couple of months or a couple of years rolled by. Then all of a sudden, like, like the state of Colorado or the feds are saying, you're telling me, bro, I can't drive this anymore. You know, it's illegal. Like, that's wrong. You know, I mean, right, we, right, I mean right. but the well, problem is, it, it, you know, if you don't have the technology to like bridge those things together, like it, like we lose our hot rods, you know, and if I have right. anything to say about it, that ain't going to happen. Amen to that, man. It's glad I'm glad you're doing that because so many of us have made that swap. It's a really popular swap out here um, oh, to be able to do that and connect that up and give people their drivability out of their, you know, their their big V8 swap Jeep. Uh, that's huge. What what else are you doing to uh, to increase that efficiency? I'm I'm sure with those Zev and Lev rules, you know, like the old five speed transmissions that came in a lot of the Jeeps. That's probably something that you're uh, you're dealing with as well, right? Moving that over to the eight-speed? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that and, and it kind of came as a big package, right? I mean, the whole deal. So, you know, Chrysler switched over to their 8HP series um, in different models, you know, in the last couple of years. And, you know, one of the big reasons they, I mean, anytime a manufacturer swaps to or upgrades to transmissions that have more gears, it's, it, it's, a, it's really emissions driven, you know, and, and it, but, it, but, but the great thing is, is it's, it performs so much better. So what it does to the end user is, it, you know, when you have a lower first gear, you know, and more shifts between, so it means the less RPM drop, you can hold that engine in its operating zone. And so what it does to the end user, it gives the end user the feeling of better acceleration because it accelerates harder, accelerates faster. 
and it lowers the engine RPM when you're cruising on the highway, which makes makes your miles per gallon, average miles per gallon go up. So it's it's a it's a win-win-win. What it does for the manufacturers is it makes the engine run less hard, so to say. It takes a lot of stress off the engine because it starts in a lower gear. It has a much lower RPM drop between ranges. And that means the engine's running in a more of its tuned band, so to say. And anytime you have spot, yeah. Engine, you know, in its sweet spot, then it's going to be cleaner, right? So cafe standards go up. I mean, the tailpipe emissions go down. So so you know, when you look at the kind of the big picture, you know, by the emissions kind of driving the manufacturers to add more technology, they kind of do like the really hard workforce. So we've taken that eight-speed transmission and retrofitted all the way back to the 11 Wranglers. So if you have an 11 to current Wrangler, literally you can remove your, your four-speed or your five-speed transmission automatic and you bolt up the eight-speed. We made all the adapter plates so the transfer case bolts to it. It bolts to the back of the engine. It's literally so clean, you don't even have to change drive lines. They're literally exactly bolt-in replacements. The electronics plug in. So you unplug the electronics of the five-speed, you plug in the electronics of the eight-speed, and you literally have the old, dude, check this out. The only reason that you wouldn't know that that thing's factory is because the actual dash can't display seven and eight. So we go one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, for seventh and eighth. It's so <laughs> slick. And I probably won't have that rectified, but, you know, one step at a time. But, dude, it's, it's, it's good stuff. You just need a That's sticker. Amazing. You need a sticker to put on the the the, the console up there with the <laughs> right. seven and eight. Right, right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, man, that had to be a a big kind of a almost a wow moment when you got that kind of dialed in, talking to one another, and and, and you make it you know carb legal, which is so big for so many people. Um, and you know, on top of it, you get an eight speed, which improves gas mileage. That's one of the killer things, you know, is is gas mileage and running it out top end, just being rough on it when. You know, when you get three more gears in there, that's man, that helps all the way around that that torque curve, that that bottom end, leaving on the line. That's a that's a whole different vehicle and how it how it drives and rides. No, no, it's nuts. I mean, and if you you know pay kind of attention to the to the Jeep forms and that, you know, when when Chrysler came or Jeep came out with it, you know, their their little four cylinder with the eight speed. I mean, guys were like making comments like, man, I don't I don't really think that I have to V eight swap this thing anymore. You know, it's got enough power. You know, it literally was going. I mean, same engine, right? Three six, you know, Pinastar with a five speed going to a three six Pinastar, which same engine to an eight speed. Literally making the the swap from the five speed to the eight speed. The difference in drivability is huge. I mean, it's a second in the quarter mile. Like same engine, just by having the shifts click Whoa. off. It's huge. Wow. I mean, like really? when these guys when the, when second when wow. the Jeep guys come out and say, I don't think that I need to be swap this because it has enough power. I mean, that's a pretty big statement. Well, anybody trying to yeah, wrap yeah, yeah. their head around that, go ride a beach cruiser on a mountain bike trail, you know, with one speed, you know, that's the extreme. And then give yourself 24 speeds or whatever on a mountain bike, like, so you can be in the optimal yep. range up and down and whatever you're going through. And, you know, it, it same thing applies with transmission. You know, the engine's got so much guts yeah. to it, but if yeah. you're trying to, you know, squeeze out on all the ends, it just... You know, it's not going to perform nearly as well as if you can just put it in that right optimal running condition, right in its sweet spot, its torque curve or efficiency curve uh, with all those extra gears. Uh, transmission is such a, a hidden performance 
an efficiency uh, gainer that we forget about it. Well, I mean, look at you. Look at your F one fifty, right? Ten speeds. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got you have you know a, a small engine, turbocharged, perfectly perfectly matched. You know, they Ford did such a good job with that. You know, and and again, I mean, you have the turbocharger that is matched the engine properly, a torque converter that's matched to the turbocharger because that's really what it's all about is like matching matching the whole assembly together, and then and then put all those speeds behind it. And your RPM, you know, depending on where you're at, I mean, the RPM just like drops like two to 300 RPM, you know, first, second, third, fourth, and you just can't beat it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's literally, that's the way, you know, vehicles are built today. And it is, it is so cool to take an older vehicle, you know, whether it's an older Jeep or, you know, a 7.3 or a 5.9 Cummins, you know, and start getting this, you know, bolting this technology onto it and just kind of turn it into a new truck. It's it's very cool. So safe to say, you have uh, you have no belief that diesel uh, diesel trucks are over. Seeing the gas prices and where that's going, oh, no. you, you think they're strong for for a, a long time coming. You know, I mean, and, and that's something good to talk about. I mean, you know, fuel prices, right? You know, I mean, we saw what happened with fuel prices this uh, year. And, yeah. And uh, you know, I you know, one of my jobs is I I run around town all day because I mean I just love talking to our vendors and. You know, we have a we have a ton of ton of vendors. I mean, I have several casting shops, you know, here along the front range, and and I just go and visit them. You know, doing our manifolds and all this other stuff. And I've got a uh, my two favorite trucks. You know, is I've got a twenty Duramax and a uh, twenty two TRX. You know, and the TRX is fun. I mean, I love that thing. I mean, it's eight hundred horsepower. You know, drives like a Cadillac. I mean, well, it drives like a spaceship actually. But <laughs> the problem is that thing gets nine and a half miles per gallon. I drive my Duramax, literally the power is not that much different. And it's a 2,500 Duramax, lifted 35 or 30 or 35 inch tires. You know, I mean, it's a big truck, you know, I mean, literally air ride. I mean, so I can put all these casts in the back. That thing gets 19 miles per gallon, you know, and I end up, I I pretty much drive my Duramax because it, I mean, because it gets 19 miles per gallon. So I'm driving like all the way to Colorado Springs, you know, or up to Fort Collins, wherever it is. I mean, I'm going, you know, 150, you know, 200 miles round trip, right? Some, some days. And that's a big deal. But so just because diesel is a little bit more money, you know, it's a buck more generally, you know, the, the net savings is huge because it's diesel. Well, now take and put 10,000 pounds behind both of those trucks and your 19 is going to go to oh. 17 and your, your eight is going to go down to like Four, three. Tell me about it. I drove the TRX to California, dude. I had that Cali- I had that TRX loaded up. I mean, it was like loaded up, and I got you know maybe about seven and a half miles per gallon. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty equivalent, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Diesel, diesel rocks. I mean, di- diesel rocks. I mean, it's just getting it's getting better and better, and you know, and you want to talk about like the after treatment systems, you know, you know, the whole days of deletes and all that crap. I am so happy it's gone because, you know, the first, like, you know, 07, 08, 09, a little bit in 10, you know, all the manufacturers were struggling with the, with the after treatment systems. I mean, they were struggling. You like the Ford didn't really work, you know, and, and, but the whole industry, the diesel industry went crazy, like deleting this stuff and whacking it off, you know, cutting it off instead of working with the technology. You know, and that's one of the things that we were really avid about is working with the technology, understanding how the DPS work and the, and the, you know, the urea. And I'm so glad we did 
you know, because all that all that investment paid off. I mean, today, when you get into these newer, newer diesels, you know, anything 10 or newer, the performance is there with all the after treatment system on it. And they're clean. You know, they don't smell. They don't smoke. They're not a hindrance. You know, they don't gas off when you're sitting there, you know, in the shop driving or at a stop sign. You know, I mean, it's incredible technology, you know, so to actually have all the emissions systems be intact on a vehicle and be able to see these things produce, you know, 600 horsepower rear wheel, you know, like 13, 12, 1300 foot pounds of torque is just phenomenal, you know, on a street vehicle and get 19 (laughs) miles per gallon in real world use. I just don't think you can beat that. Yeah. You kind of nailed it a little bit earlier, you know, just talking about the, uh, the EcoBoost V6 with the 10 speed, it's the same it's a six cylinder engine, but it's the technology of the turbos. It's the sizing, it's the torque converter and the transmission combo makes that F-150. I mean, it tows my 9,000 pound plus toy hauler. Like it's not even there right now. Scale that same recipe, right? Boost on the engine side, right? Your torque converter, your transmission, and just scale that up to super duty size. Uh, and, and it's, it's that combination of technologies on the old school, you know, architecture of a combustion engine. And you got some pretty amazing stuff that you can emissionize, have the performance that you want, have the fun factor efficiency, yeah, pretty man. good win, win, wins in my game, man. So you, you guys are kicking some ass out there. Love what you're doing. Love keeping these old trucks together. Uh, giving us the smiles for miles. <laughs> Amen. It's ATS Diesel, uh, ATSDiesel.com. Find them there. Uh, and don't forget to find our TV show. There's on weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. It's also available on Motor Trend Plus, which is their streaming side. Thanks to our guest, Clint Cannon, the one and only man myth legend behind ATS Diesel. Find them at ATSDiesel.com. Um, my man, Kevin Bird, I am Willie B, producer Scoop, and executive producer Bob Ecker. And just a reminder, don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. We're everywhere on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyrighted, 2023, Brenton Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. All right, Clint, you convinced me, bro. I'm going to bring you my 7-3. <laughs> let, me know, let me know when you're ready. <laughs> uh, you convinced me. I don't even own a 7-3, but I want to go get one and then bring it to you. <laughs> Uh, right on. Yeah, those things are, those seven threes are never going to (laughs) die. Uh, good, good. All right, man. Well, thanks as always. We hope you learned something, have fun, and we'll catch you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. See you guys. Take care. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.